You are now in tune to a 726 studio production. <laughs> yeah, let me stop my shit. Yo, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of Planet Josh. Today, I'm not alone. I'd like to introduce you guys to my very first guest, which is two-time SBL All-Star and five-time SBL champ, sharpshooter Doug Creighton, or as Taiwanese fans know him, Tian Hao. How's it going, man? Good. What's going on, everybody? What you been up to lately? Uh, I've been back in the States enjoying some family time. Uh, yeah, I haven't been back, obviously, because of COVID for the last two years. But this summer, I was fortunate enough to come back and see my family. So just been spending a lot of time with them, obviously still training in the off season, But yeah, trying to get ready for this upcoming season. Okay, well, man, thanks for taking the time out to be here. All good. So, um... Let's let's just start off by you introducing yourself. Uh, my name is Doug Creighton. Uh, I grew up all around Asia, really, my whole life. Lived in Singapore, Hong Kong, and the majority of my childhood was spent in Taiwan or went to Taipei American School. And then my senior year of high school, I left and moved to Detroit, Michigan, and attended uh, Detroit Tech Catholic Central, which is a big sports sports school. And I was my hope was to get a basketball scholarship to play in college. Um, that didn't go as planned, but I still was able to play two years of junior college and was able to get a basketball scholarship at Madonna University for two years, played there, and then wanted to keep playing basketball as my career. So I ended up having some contacts back in Taiwan. Next thing you know, I'm on a flight back home to Taiwan and making a couple tryouts. So I tried out for, I think, one or two teams, and I stuck with uh, Puyuan. And was it 14 years later? Here I am. Damn, 14 long years. Long um, years. So you've been all around Asia. So where were you born? I was born in Taiwan, actually. Okay. Uh, but because of my dad's job, we moved back to Singapore, I believe, a month or two after I was born. So because you've been to so many different countries, what language did you guys speak the most at home? English or... Chinese or? Uh, it was mainly English uh, with a little bit of Chinese in there with my mom. My mom wanted to make sure I was fairly fluent in Chinese growing up. So, Okay, okay. So yeah. obviously you're a basketball player. So when did you get into sports itself? Um, as long as I can remember, really. I mean, organized sports, probably, I want to say fourth grade. But it was all it was either baseball or basketball. And I was very fortunate enough to have my dad be very supportive of, you know, sports. He was an athlete growing up as well. So he did a really good job of raising me to, you know, become an athlete. And obviously his main goal for me was to also attain a sports scholarship or a basketball scholarship in college. So he was always very supportive, but he was always pushing me to take care of academics as well, as much as I didn't want to. Yeah, you got to have a balance in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, So you said it's basketball and baseball. So like, yeah. when did you decide like, okay, basketball is what I want to do? Because, you know, here in Taiwan, baseball is pretty big too. So like, you know. Yeah. Um, Probably in high school is when I really realized that basketball was kind of where I wanted to go because I felt as though basketball was the epitome of a team sport and I loved team sports growing up. And I thought, well, my height also helped and a little bit of athletic ability. And I think my just love for the 
the team aspect of basketball was what really drove me to pursue basketball. Okay, so back then, what was your play style? You know, what was your favorite thing to do when you just got into basketball? Do you like to just shoot? Were you more of a drive guy? I was all shooting threes <laughs> until even until today. That's kind of been my my thing. Yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't changed at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> and, you know, well, we get into everything because someone or something inspired us to do it. Who was your biggest inspiration to get into basketball, local or international? Uh, obviously, growing up, I watched a lot of NBA. And my favorite, it's funny, it's weird because these guys were not, you know, shooters. But my favorite players growing up were Sean Kemp and Kevin Garnett. Uh, yeah, just, I, I don't see the connection with you. No, at all. But I think those those guys for me, Sean Kemp was obviously when I was a little bit younger, maybe in middle school, and he was all he was fun to watch because he was all dunks, and you know you want you want to be able to dunk like that one day. But with Kevin Garnett, he became my favorite because he was so versatile. He could do everything on the court, and he just played with so much passion. Would you say like you took anything from their game and translated it into your own? I think with Garnett's passion, I try to play with a lot of emotion. And I feel like that's where I play my best basketball is, you know, out there having fun and being an emotional and vocal leader on the court. But, you know, like when it comes to emotions, you got to know when to balance it because too much emotions sometimes get the best of you on the court. So how do you find oh, a balance between those two? Uh, I think just trying to keep as you know, level-headed as possible. You know, I've, I've never really been a hothead. There have been some moments, obviously, where, you know, the refs can kind of irritate you, yeah. so to speak. But, you know, you always got to remember that one, uh, one technical can really cost your team the game. So you never want to be that guy to screw up, you know, a win for your team. So that you got to keep that in the back of your mind and kind of bite your tongue. Yeah, and I mean, based on the reason why you started basketball, it sounds like you're very much a team player, so makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so um, you said you went to where? TAS, right? Yeah, I went to TAS. That's in Tianmu. Yep, that's in Tianmu. Okay, um, are they like involved in like HBO too? Do they play in HBO? They do not play in HBL. I believe their their um sports system is kind of it's based on the U.S. where they split their um sports into three seasons okay so you have the fall winter and spring sports so the hbl they play year-round and so th there was never ever an opportunity to get in that but we did play some hbl teams and absolutely got blown out <laughs> it's never really fun so like you'd say like your high school experience wasn't that much hooping out here in a sense uh it was i mean we so the ts they had a um, it was called IASIS, and it was the six, I believe it was six Southeast Asian schools. It was us, uh, Manila, Kuala Lumpur, Bangkok, Singapore American School, and Jakarta. So they played in a year, like a season-end tournament every every year. So whoever was the host that year, we'd travel there and play in, a, play in a tournament to see who was the champion. So which countries did you guys travel to during that period? Uh, so... For basketball, we traveled to, where was my, my sophomore year, I believe was, oh man, that was a long time ago. Let me, 
I believe it was Bangkok. Bangkok was my sophomore year and my junior year was Jakarta. So um, like you said, you moved to the States for your senior year. Yes. And then moving on from there, did you get on the basketball team over there? I did. That was my main reason. I, uh, I kind of played in a men's league like during the summers in, in Taiwan, right? And one of the, one of the guys who played was actually the alumni, an alumni from the school I went to in Detroit. And he said that he could kind of help connect me to, you know, the sports program there. And I came over one summer. I can't remember what year it was, but I came over in the summer and I, I stayed with the, the coach and his family and they had, they had summer ball. So I just played on their team for the summer ball and decided that, you know, I felt like it was a good fit for myself and would make the transition. So, you know, like, I think more often than not, Westerners have this idea that Asians are not as good in basketball. So, like, yeah. how were you received when you went there? I was actually received with open arms, I think, because I could play. You know, I, I wasn't your, I didn't come off as a very typical, you know, your stereotypical Asian. I was, you know, 196 centimeters and could jump a little bit and can shoot. So, and I was fairly athletic, so I didn't come off as a stereotypical Asian. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have a good group of people around me who were very supportive and made sure I was taken care of. Yeah. It's always good to have good people around you. Yep. So, um, at first you didn't get that chance to get a scholarship. So you went the junior college route. Yep. So tell us more about that because like I recently watched, the. Uh, Netflix docu-series, I think, was yeah, East yeah. LA. Yep. And it kind of gives you an idea of what it is, but what was it like for you back then? It was, it's a different kind of grind. You know, there's no, there's really no glory to it because it's junior college. No one really talks about it. But the school I went to was Henry Ford Community College. And we had good, we had great players. A lot of them were, weren't able to play the second semester because of grades. Um, but the ones who could, you know, our team competed and we had a lot of guys get scholarships leaving, you know, the junior college experience. I think I would say out of our 10 guys we had on the team, probably seven guys had at least a partial scholarship leaving. So oh, sometimes I feel like it's just a platform for a lot of good players to, you know, get that chance to be seen where yeah. they might not have been at a good, high school program or maybe their grades weren't good in high school and they just needed to get it up. I mean, we played a few teams that there was one team that we played that was just known to have um, division one transfers. I mean, that's all they took in. They took in maybe a couple guys just to fill in spots, but everyone else was a division one transfer because at the time the NCAA, if you transferred schools, you had to sit out a year. Well, these guys didn't want to sit out. So they played one year at, this uh it's called schoolcraft college they played a year there and then they just got another division one scholarship so so i guess they were just running through the competition huh yeah it was it wasn't funny how good they were <laughs> so moving on to getting your scholarship what level did you play uh, i played at madonna university and they are naia okay so not ncaa nope what's the competition like the competition's really good I mean, I would compare it to, I would say for our league, would be able to compete with uh, probably Division three, maybe some Division two schools in our area. So it was, I mean, NCAA Division two or, 
or division three school. So it just really depends on what programs we faced, but we had, we didn't have great size, but we had really good talent and good guards. When we translate it to like the Taiwan scene, would you say it's like level like D1 or higher than Taiwan D1? Oh, definitely higher than Taiwan D1. Definitely higher. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's move on to your SBO career now. Um, yeah. so you said you're what, 14 years in now. So that takes us back to what, 2007, roughly. Two th- yep. 2007 was my first year. And while I was searching online, I saw it mentioned something about like, that was your first season, but mm-hmm. You didn't get drafted until 2009, something with Taiwan ID or I'm not too sure about it. Yeah. So when I was born in Taiwan, my mom never got me my ID originally. Um, So I think I was in Taiwan under an ARC, I believe. Okay. Um, So then when I came back to Taiwan to play, I played as my first two years, I played as an import, which is kind of funny. And then the third year, in order to keep playing, I needed to get my ID so I could play as a local. Once I got my ID, I had to enter the SBL draft. So I was drafted by Bank of Taiwan, which I had played for the previous year. Okay, so um, so you only played there what? Did you only play there for that rookie season too, after the draft? Well, your second rookie season, if you want to call it that? Yeah, yep. I only played there one year after my... After I got drafted and I moved on to Talon Beer. And that's where you got your what, your first chip. My first chip, yep. So who were some guys on that Taiwan Beer team back then that I might know as a foreigner? You know, locals might probably... I mean, you can throw out all the names too. Um, guys you might know. Do you know Yang Jingming? Um, um, amigo? Amigo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Amigo was our, our main stud. There was Xiao Ha. Who else? No idea, but I, just keep throwing them out there. Yeah. Taiwanese are going to be Who else was there? Zhen Renwei, Wu Daihang. Yeah, those are the main guys, yeah. So at that point, um, Beast had already left for the CBA. Yeah, Beast left the year before I got there, I believe. Oh, okay. But you played against him, but you just didn't play with him. No, I played against him, yeah. Okay, so moving on to Puyen, mm-hmm. what, what made you decide to, what year did you go to Puyen? Following this championship season? Yep, following the championship season. So I now why would, you leave the, why would you leave the championship team? Uh, I thought it was a better move for my career. Um, the assistant coach at that time, who ended up being my head coach, was uh, Ben Metcalf. He, uh, he had sent me a seven-page email. Um, writing out, you know, stating all the things that how I would help their team and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he put the the math together and all this stuff. And I read it over and I was like, you know what, this might be a good fit for, you know, where I want to take my career. And it ended up working out pretty well. Man, seven page email. I wouldn't even have to read it. I'm like, okay, you got me. You took the time yeah. out. <laughs> you took the time to write seven pages. Fine. Yeah, you got me. I'm going. Yeah. So... You go from one championship team and you move into probably a dynasty. Yeah. And you guys won what? Right after you left Bear. Yep. So personally, what? how many championships in a row did you get? Well, I did... 
I won two in a row. Then I left for China, came back and won another one. And then a couple more years later, we won another one with Puyan. So I've got four with Puyan. So you took that one gap year, if you want to call it that. And yeah. what level did you play in China? Uh, the CBA. CBA. Yeah. What was that experience like? Compare it to that of the SBO one. Oh, it's very, I would like to say it's fairly p- political. It's very competitive. And it's, you pretty much have to have the mindset going into China that you're here to do your job and nothing else. <laughs> and you can't really worry about, you know, enjoying life. Because, I mean, other than if you're living in Shanghai or Beijing, you know, the big cities, I was in Jiangsu, which I think the biggest city was Nanjing, but that was like 45 minutes away from us. So to take a cab 45 minutes really wasn't worth it. So, I mean, living, you're just pretty much watching Netflix and, you know, waiting for the next practice or the next game. So it was definitely a very different lifestyle change than what I was used to in Taipei. You were just basically there to hoop. That's about Pretty it. Pretty much. That's that's what it was. There was a, you either, yeah, eat, sleep, play ball. So back to Huyen. What was your role yeah. on those teams? You know, after this whole long seven-page email, what role did you end up having? To shoot three-pointers. That's what the seven-page paper came down to was to shoot threes and help space the floor. So he just talked about shooting in a lot of different words, fancy terms, and all that kind of stuff. Yep. What it came down was the number three. Were you a starter or what was your, like, uh, the So in the very, be- very beginning of the season, um, I started at the three position. And then our, I think our import at the time was, his name is Terrence Dials. He got hurt towards ACL. And then we switched out, him out for Quincy Davis. And once Quincy came in, they moved me to the four-man, the what? power forward position. What? But it was more like a stretch four, so we would have a lot of space on the outside for driving and whatnot and let Q kind of do his thing down low. Yeah, and well, since Quincy came, well, the rest is history. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so at that time, the coach was Roger, right? Yep, the coach was Roger. So what are the differences, you know, because, you know, Ben eventually took over and you got a championship with Ben too yeah. as a coach. What was the difference between their coaching styles? Uh, they're fairly similar coaching styles. Ben was a very stickler for details. He, he liked to watch a lot of film and kind of just remind the team of, you know, our style of play and defensive details. Roger was more... I would say more influential with the referees and Ben was definitely more, he was very vocal as well, but he, he was, he would worry more about, you know, what was going on within our team. Okay. Like I heard they were both kind of similar because I remember what was it in the 2018, 2019 season. So I'm pretty cool with Chuck because we both have Belizean background. And I remember he told me that, the one team Fuban didn't really want to match up with in the playoffs was Puyan because the like the style was very similar. Oh, it's very similar systems. You know, it was all what was 
Ben knew exactly what Roger wanted to do and vice versa. And so it really became a chess match. And luckily Ben is very meticulous about his details. So he's better at chess, apparently. I think all the secrets are in the bow tie. That's about it. Yeah, pretty much. So um, since I mentioned I came to Taiwan around that time, you know, ever since I came here, I think I'm the dog stopper. Since I've been here, you haven't won a chip. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, man, but it is what it is. I had one one last year, I guess, if you can, if you can count I mean, that yeah, one. Yeah, if we can count it. A, co- a COVID champ. Yeah, it's debatable. Yeah. So moving off from Puyen, what, what, what made you decide, like, you know what? I'm done with this chapter. Time to move on to something else. And you moved on to Yulon. Uh, with Puyen, I honestly felt as though their vision of the team didn't really align with mine. And I was nearing the, you know, I was already, what was I, 34, 35, and I didn't really have many years to waste. And I saw Yulong as being a very, you know, traditional Taiwanese team, and they had a, a good system in place. And I felt as though that would be a, a good fit for my career. The only thing since you've been there is COVID. You've been unfortunate to have, what, the last two seasons be affected by COVID, the first one. Seriously. Being turned into the bubble. And then, well, this past season, you know, not being able to play out the finals. Yeah. You know, how has COVID affected your life? Like, how did that make you feel not being able to finish off this past season? Uh, not being able to finish off this past season was definitely rough because at that time we had, you know, just picked up, uh, what was his name, Jordan Tolbert. And his. Yeah. I feel like we had, we kind of hit a stride in the playoffs and was going to give Town Beer a run for their money. and. Good old COVID. Came and messed things up. Yep, like it usually does. Tell me about it. And yeah. it still is. Still so. waiting for pe- people to get their vaccine so we can get back to normal life. Like, I don't know. And all the variations of this virus. Oh, is, yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. Um, frustrating. So to wrap up your SBL time. So I want to recap it. Like, you know, when I got here, when I started to go to games, the games are fairly empty until it was maybe playoff time. And when I look yeah. back at like old clips, like the games are pretty full. Like, yeah. what was the reason for this like drop off? What would, what do you think was the reason? I think the one of the biggest reasons was probably the big, big stars were going over to China to make some good money. You like, know, the, the, you, th- you think about when you, when you watch like the Jones cup, the Jones cup was always packed house because all those guys were coming back from China to play and that was really their only the fans only chance to to see them in person was to watch the Jones Cup like it's just crazy to me because like I look at HBO games and like they were playing in the bigger arenas and they were filled to the max and then you have the SBO games and it's just like you can hear a needle drop in there oh yeah it was horrible I'm like damn and it's not because to me it's not like the basketball level is bad because I honestly enjoyed going to the games. It's just that yeah. people just weren't interested. Like No, and it had a lot to do with marketing as well. Like I would be at school and I asked different guys like, you guys watch SBR? No, no. <laughs> and stuff like that. Like maybe one or two, one out of 10 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So now you're heading into an entirely different league, which is basically based on last season, the opposite of what SBL saw in recent years. Exactly. So what's your thought on the P-League? 
and where they oh. where they're headed. I'm extremely excited to finally get to play in front of fans. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's with for me, fans kind of fuel my fire. Really, is I love playing in front of them and kind of putting on a show. But you know, I'm always it's always fun to cha- have a change of environment. And with the Dreamers, I felt as though also it was a it was a good fit for myself. The way they the, their style of plays, a lot of run and gun, shooting a lot of threes, and really. I like to shoot a lot of threes, so I felt like that was a perfect fit for me. I mean, why not, right? Works to exactly. your strength. Yeah. Um, so, 14 years in, what keeps you motivated at this point in your career? Uh, just the will to win, I think, is my... I love competing, you know? After a while, everyone's skill level is relatively same, but if you have that competition fire in your in your belly, you know, that's kind of what fuels that's what fuels me to win every game is is just to compete you know that's what makes it fun is to you know compete and to kind of have it be a chess match and i was a psychology major in college and i always like to think of each game as you know a mental mental hurdle for myself and just to see what where i can get my mental edge on my opponent and you know just just having fun competing and being out there with my teammates and helping them win. Sounds like you should be a good fit for the team that was the runner runner ups last year. So yeah. Maybe you can give them that little spark to get them over the hump. Let's hope I can give them a little bit of edge. Moving off from the basketball scene, I saw that you're a vegan. I am. So what made you decide to get into that lifestyle? So I think in the beginning, it was for my love of, you know, animals and, you know, reading, reading a lot of things, a lot of, you know, articles and watching a lot of, a lot of documentaries um, really opened up my eyes to, you know, animal welfare and how the foods we eat, you know, are treated before, you know, the animals are slaughtered before. And it just, I, it, I didn't sit well with me and did a lot of research and realized that, you know, you can still be a very successful athlete and live a vegan lifestyle. And it started with my love for animals and then it turned into, you know, the health aspect. And then the third tier was, you know, how helpful it is for the environment. And if you can do all three in one diet, why not? Yeah. So um, as an athlete, why would you recommend other athletes to convert? Uh, Honestly, uh, the biggest thing for me is recovery and inflammation. You know, that's the biggest thing that comes with a, a vegan diet. Obviously, you can't go out there eating like 10 sleeves of Oreos and expect to be, you know, a top tier athlete. Yeah. You know, you do your research and realize what you need to eat to help recover. That was the biggest thing for me, especially because when I did it, I was, I've been vegan, what, five, six years now. And when I first started, I was obviously my early 30s and I needed to kind of get back to that point where I was being able to play back to back to back games and keep up with you know younger legs and how I was able to do that was to be able to shorten my recovery period and the vegan diet has helped with that a lot so just the thing is like it, it wasn't easy at first it was more of a transition for me you know I went from eating a lot of meat to just doing seafood and then from seafood turning vegetarian where I still did milk and eggs. And then from there, I kind of 
slowly took my time to break off everything else and turn vegan. But yeah, it, it definitely was a lot of research on, you know, what supplements to be taking, what foods to be eating and all that kind of stuff. So when you mentioned, mentioned like keeping your legs fresh, I thought yeah. about a question someone told me to ask because, well, you know, uh, I have Taiwanese friends that have been watching you probably since you started playing out here. And one <laughs> of them, well, they told me, like, ask him, why don't you dunk in games anymore? So I had to go back and I found a YouTube clip of <laughs> Duck in a dunk contest. I'm like, what? This guy's, yeah, I, I only know him as a shooter. Yeah. So, like, what made you stop dunking in games? I think it was just maybe the position I played and what, you know, opportunities that that I get in games, you know. I don't get too many fast break opportunities. And if I do and I have an opportunity to dunk, I will. But it just it just never really has been there. You know, if they really want to see me dunk, they can show up earlier to the game. And while we're on warm-up lines, I'll dunk. But, uh, no, you know, during- we, we don't want to see no warm-up dunks. Those are way better than in-game. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but the in-game has like a next, like a different hype level to it. Yeah, it definitely does. But it just, hopefully this year I'll, I'll be able to get a steal and go for Let, a dunk. Let's wait and see. If you get that steal and you go, don't get that dunk, we'll, we'll be remembering it. But I for sure, we'll, we'll get back on this podcast one more time just to say I dumped. Okay, bet. <laughs> <laughs> so besides all of that basketball-related stuff, you want start in well, not really necessarily start, but you were in a movie, and I yeah. was gonna take the time out to watch it, but I just didn't want to read subtitles at that point. <laughs> so I was just like browsing through it to see where you showed up, and I gotta say, you're pretty good at spinning a ball. Not bad. I, I had to practice for a couple of hours, and also dropping them dance moves in the background, huh? Oh, that was the hardest thing to do. <laughs> like the dance class, that was the worst. Because, like, being taller, especially with everyone else in that dance class, everyone's, like, a whole head shorter than me, and their limbs are obviously a lot shorter. So, for me, it's a lot tougher. But that was the biggest challenge was definitely remembering all the dance moves and the choreography. How did you end up getting into that movie? Uh, The main actor, uh, one of my friends, Godfrey Gao, he's the main actor, and we were part of the same agency. Okay, rest in peace to him. Yes, rest in peace to him. Um, they, our agency negotiated and got me a, a small role in that and just to kind of test the waters a little bit for myself. You think you want to get back into it? You want to do it again? Uh, I don't know. It, it's definitely a totally different challenge than basketball. And if, You know, if the opportunity presents itself, I would definitely be up for the challenge, but if not, I'm not really pushing for it or relying on my post-basketball career to be spinning spinning basketballs and popping and locking. <laughs> so I think that's about all the questions I have. But before we wrap up, I have a couple quick fire questions that I just want you to come straight off the top of your head. Cool. Um, okay, let's start off. The first one is, who are your favorite teammates? Let's go top three guys that you play top- with. Yeah. Top three favorite teammates that I play with James Mao, Quincy Davis, and Lu Zhenu. Is that that's the shooter, right? Yeah, the shooter on your Okay. Um, most memorable moment of your career. Uh oh, this is tough. 
I would say most memorable would be first championship. Have they all been the same or what do you think? Like what makes that one stand out out of the five? Uh, I think it just being the first, you know, one popping the cherry, you know, just <laughs> all that, all that work finally pays off. I mean, you got five, so it's not yeah. you. You're, you're regular at that point, especially at that uh, point in your career, you know, seriously. And um, next up, what's your, what's in your pregame playlist? Pregame playlist. Ooh. Pre-game playlist will be J. Cole, uh, Young Thug, Jay-Z, Eminem, uh, Pusha T, Kendrick Lamar. Since we're on the topic of music, who are your favorite Taiwanese artists? Ooh, Taiwanese artists? Uh, would it be rude to say I don't listen to Taiwanese artists? <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't be the first one to tell me that, so it's okay. Yeah. I just don't listen to Taiwanese music. I mean, every once in a while I do, but... Not something you really like, oh, let me listen to some Taiwanese music, huh? Yeah, I definitely don't do not do that. So on the topic of Taiwan, what's your... I mean, I don't think you eat much Taiwanese dishes these days because of being a vegan and a lot of it, you know, contradicts that whole vegan lifestyle, I guess. But yeah. what was your... What is your favorite Taiwanese dish? Ooh... Favorite Taiwanese dish would be stinky tofu. Oh man! <laughs> oh only man! Real, only real legends know. You're so Taiwanese just because of that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and to wrap it all up, what's your favorite quote of all time that you could just like? One quote that just defines the way you approach things. Oh, oh what was that quote from uh, Deion Sanders? He said. If you if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, they pay good. So it all starts at looking good, huh? Exactly. And that's why they call you, uh, what was it? I clicked on a Chinese video the other day. Zui Shui Ge. And before you really go, tell the people where they can find you on social media. And I'm going to drop it in the, in the I'm going to drop the links in the description. All right, my Instagram is Doug.Creighton. Anything else? Twitter? No Twitter. That's it. Pretty much That's it. That's all huh? I'm on is pretty IG. much it. Is, is IG all day. Okay, well, I need man, to start a TikTok. That's what I need. Oh, I mean, you got to <laughs> you gotta bust out those um, moves from the movie. All right. I got my dance moves down, so yeah. I might as well Why not, take huh? advantage. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, man, you just enjoy the rest of your off-season. That's not really an off-season. Yeah, never is. Thanks for taking the time out to join me today. Really appreciate it. No problem. It. Thanks for having me on.